welcome to the Good With Money, Smug Money podcast, a podcast that teaches you how to be good with your cash and where we speak to investment managers who tell us how they're being good with your cash as well. Now, just a little disclaimer that the information given in the podcast isn't advice and obviously all investing carries a risk. My name is Jen Gale and today we're joined by Matthew Negra from UBP who's going to be answering all our questions about investing ethically in the healthcare sector. Hello, Matthew. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, really excited to to dive into this one. But first off, can you just introduce yourself, who you are, who you work for, what you do? Sure. Um, uh, My name is Mathieu Negra. I'm a uh, portfolio manager at UBP uh, uh, here in the UK. Uh, It's a Swiss bank uh, that has an office here. And I specialize in emerging markets uh, and more specifically uh, impact investing in emerging markets. Right. You might have to... to unpick a little bit of what all of that means for us um i i can kind of understand when you say emerging markets kind of what that what that might mean but my understanding my very naive simple understanding of that might be not correct so can you just explain to us what emerging markets are sure well it's it's a completely valid question because it's a term that has been uh, criticized over the years but it i think it has survived because uh, you know sometimes we need to put um, things into neat boxes, and, and this is one of them. So basically, the investing universe is uh, divided between the developed markets and, and, and the emer- what we call the emerging markets. So uh, in a, in a, in, if you uh, sort of take a World Bank perspective on it, that would mean that all of the high-income countries would be in one box. And I'm talking about the US, Western Europe, Japan, uh, and then uh, the other boxes for the rest. So the less well-off countries. Um, and so then you're talking about many countries in Asia, uh, Africa, Latin America would, would fall into, into that box. And so, yeah, so you've got a, um, a, a wide range of countries in there. Some of them are quite low income. Uh, if you look at countries um, in, in Latin America or Africa, for example, but then it goes all the way up to, for example, South Korea, Taiwan, and, and famously China, uh, are also classified as uh, emerging markets, and uh, um, so 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 it's a it's a very um, wide area of countries. But but on average, those countries have a GDP per capita which is lower than uh, the typical high income countries. Okay, and in this episode, we're going to take a bit of a dive into sort of investing in the in the healthcare sector. And is that a big part of this Im- um, investing in emerging um, sort of sectors and things? It, it, it is a big part um, of the needs of, of the countries uh, we invest in. Um, healthcare uh, spending per capita is uh, lower in emerging markets than it is in developed markets. It's growing a lot faster. Uh, and uh, those populations have uh, needs which um, are, are, are unmet at the moment. Uh, and traditionally, uh, the big pharma companies are uh, in the West uh, or in Japan or in the, in the high-income countries uh, because it's very intensive in research and development um, and, and you need a lot of universities, you, you need a lot of uh, capital to, to finance all of it. Um, so they've, been, um, they've, they've demanded a lot of those uh, products and services and the quality of, of care has traditionally historically been lower. Um, but it's increasingly, um, so the, the positive side of that is that one, there's a, 
there's very high demand from those markets for uh, in this sector. Uh, and, and the other thing that th those markets are changing, uh, many countries are moving up the curve in terms of, of wealth. Uh, think about the countries like China mm. with its size and R&D capability, which is now uh, very much uh, discussed because it's sort of ramping up and it uh, rivals the type of R&D that you see in, in, in the other parts of the world, in, including you know, the best in the world that you can see, for example, in the US. Mm. Uh, and so you see more and more companies uh, in those countries uh, which, which, which have something to offer and to, to export to other countries in, in the healthcare sector. Yeah. Now, on Good With Money, we talk about sort of ethical investing. And certainly when I think about ethical investing, I think about, um, you know, things that will have a, a lower environmental impact or that will have a positive environmental impact. And I wouldn't necessarily think about healthcare as part of um, ethical investing, but clearly it is. And this might sound a bit of an obvious question, but why is it so important that we invest in the healthcare sector? Um, I think it's important because it's, it's, it's the basis of everything. Like it, it, you, it's difficult to um, run an economy uh, and then it's going to become very topical in just a second. It's different mm. an economy if you get too many surprises on, on the health side. So you need people to be healthy, to be productive. Um, you know, I was referring to GDP per capita. What's the difference between a, a high-income country and a, and a medium or low-income country? I think that the level of health in general is one of the foundation of those differences. And mm. it allows higher productivity and, and higher wealth. Uh, and so this is one of those uh, foundations when you look at literature on development economics uh, for example you know health and education are the two things that are uh, that are usually talked about in terms of uh, uh, the, the pillars to growth that mm. can lead to, uh, to, to, to more development so I think that that's one of the reasons why, why it's extremely important. Yeah so what sort of companies are we talking about when we're talking about healthcare and investment? You've got um, People think about pharma in general, um, typically big pharma, uh, and they are the, the heavyweights, the uh, the index heavyweights, the bigger companies in the in that sector. Uh, but then you've got smaller segments, uh, some of them growing quite quite fast, which are uh, interesting. First, you've got the, the medical devices and the equipment which is associated to uh, the sector. Uh, you've got the hospitals, um, uh, and then. Further away, you also have uh, the uh, insurers, for example, uh, which, uh, when they operate in the healthcare sector, can be quite important to the, the way the entire healthcare system uh, mm. operates. And lastly, uh, and, and uh, very trendy at the moment, of course, everything that's at the intersection of technology and healthcare. Um, you've got companies providing primary care via technology platforms, for example, or uh, engage in the distribution of drugs via similar technological solutions. Uh, and so all of that sort of constitutes the, uh, the broad sector. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think when we think about um, the healthcare sector or kind of air quotes big pharma, we, we obviously just think purely about drugs or I tend to, um, but that there are so many different sectors and that kind of thing is, is, um, is really interesting. Now, big pharma gets a bit of a has a bit of a bad reputation sometimes. Is that deserved? Is big pharma ethical? Can big pharma be ethical? Uh, that's 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 a, that's a big <laughs> that's a big question. Um, You've got ninety I, seconds. Go. <laughs> but I, exactly, I suspected we 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 might have to discuss it now. I think I think it's a very good question, and there's no. Um, 
uh, th there's no easy answer to it. Uh, those companies have had bad, bad press in the past, uh, and in many cases, I think, uh, or in some cases, uh, they deserve it. It's it's a uh, what I would say for sure is that it's a difficult sector uh, in in terms of ethics. Uh, it's difficult because you're dealing with life and death. Mm. Uh, it's difficult also because those companies have had uh, good pricing power uh, and and wonderful returns historically. They've been very profitable, maybe too profitable for their own good. Uh, and increasingly, we went into a situation whereby they were providing marginal improvement uh, to the type of drugs that they were offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, but priced at a premium, and so right. they've been able to, they've been able to uh, get a lot of the value added for themselves to mm. increase their share of wallet, if you will, in the healthcare system, uh, and they've been criticised for it. And I think, um, I think some of that criticism is justified. Now, we don't always realise that in the in the UK uh, because we've got the NHS mm. system that is quite well organised in terms of how much we pay for drugs. Uh, at the national system, mm. uh, but in other countries, the, um, uh, the the big pharma companies have been freer to sort of push price increases that can sound sometimes ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that that's the crux of the matter. As in, I wouldn't say it's it's unethical, unethical, sorry, as a sector because uh, I, I really believe that it's better to be involved in this sector than um, I don't know coal mining yeah. uh, or tobacco, if you yeah. Know. Um, but so, so it's essentially a good, you know, to say that, that initially has a good image, uh, but then we have to make sure that um, we get good value for, for the money we pay. And I think uh, that's something that has been, that, that, that has to be monitored. So there was this scandal as well of the price gouging in the mm. West. Um, so again, maybe not. Uh, that relevant for the UK market, but certainly relevant for many of the big pharma companies that will end up in people's portfolios. Yeah, uh, they've really tried some of those companies to push the envelope in terms of pricing. I think we can all understand that when you come with a new breakthrough therapy for cancer, mm -hmm. uh, you should be allowed that, and a lot of R&D has gone into that product. Um, it, it can end up costing quite a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but when you multiply the price of uh, an EpiPen, for example, to take a fam famous example by um, mm. six or seven, well, I can't remember how much it was over the course of 10 years, um, it is less clear the benefit you provide to society. And I think that that's a crux of the uh, ethical debate. As an active investor, of course, I will tell you that it's, uh, it's important to not write off the sector, but just to look at the companies which exhibit the right characteristics in terms of their ethical point of view. Okay. okay. So, so how can I do that? How can I, is there a way to sort of preferentially invest in um, the healthcare sector and avoid the companies that I might not want to give my money to for whatever reason? Is there, is there a way to sort of cherry pick the, the bits of the healthcare sector I want to invest in? Yes, I think the, 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 the way to do it, I mean, there is a way and the way to do it is to um, embed uh, your ethical, your moral criteria mm -hmm. in the stock selection process. Right. So, of course, there's a lot of talk about taking into account sustainability and mm -hmm. all its aspects in investing. And I think that's exactly what it's about within 
in each sector, and the healthcare sector is no exception, uh, there's a certain number of behaviors that people are mindful of. We know that there's a reputational risk. We know that there's a litigation risk in, in some cases. And uh, we also know that some shareholders just don't want to be associated with them uh, full stop, regardless of, of the risk. They will mm -hmm. invest with the, with the better companies in that sector, not, not, not the other ones. And, and you've got more and more um, investors who sort of accept that challenge uh, and, and uh, sort of integrate those principles in the way they select stocks. Okay. Uh, and so in the ESG rating, in your due diligence, you, you are going to see those controversies um, uh, popping up. Yeah. And you will take it into account and not select the companies um, that are problematic from that point of view. Okay, so we can obviously have a conversation with our financial advisor or whatever and just say, look, you know, th this is... And, and I know when we recently did some... Um, came in um, inherited some money and, and we're looking to invest it and you know it's quite a detailed sort of questionnaire to go through in terms of when you are looking to invest more ethically in terms of um your sort of preferences for and against and things so so that will help to take into account these things yes i think something we um i strongly believe in is the fact that you should uh, express uh those preferences uh it's it's one of the big debates i guess within the profession uh, right now which is you know should uh, your sustainability offering or an ESG offering be the uh, default offering? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Or should we make sure that it is mentioned in the first meeting? Yeah. And that we uh, sort of have a questionnaire, try to estimate uh, people's appetite mm. and need for this type of investing. And if we make sure it's uh, discussed early on in the process, then people will reveal their preferences and it's going to be easier to to channel their money to, to the right places. That's really interesting, that debate around whether it should be the sort of the default option, almost like the, um, you know, the debate around organ donation and whether it should be sort of opt-in or opt-out. And actually, I guess if, if it were the default option, that would quite quickly see an awful lot of money moved, um, you know, as, as new, new investors and things were coming on board, if they were just automatically offered these as the, as the first thing, that would be quite a quick way to, to start moving money away from things we don't want to invest in yeah i mean that's a debate that goes yeah. well, well beyond <laughs> the healthcare the podcast. sector yeah. but it's true that uh asset managers have been criticized for having sometimes having a, 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 an ethical or sustainable product in their product range mm. uh, but not pushing it as often as they should and so that product would remain small and yeah Clients down the line would find out about it and say, you know, it's it's great. I would like to be invested, yes. but it's never been proposed to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the healthcare sector, what are the biggest themes for, around sort of investing in it? I think, um, obviously, uh, I mean, we have to mention COVID. Uh, it's, it's extremely uh, important uh, at the moment because of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, it sort of overshadowed uh, everything else. But... Mm. As has been commented in, in other sectors, I think um, the, the, the coronavirus uh, crisis has led sometimes to acceleration of trends which were already there okay. uh, before. So uh, clearly what we see is that all of the companies involved in the uh, online delivery of care or online distribution uh, of drugs uh, are doing very well and see a lot of interest in their 
business models from uh, competitors or offline uh, competitors. Mm. Uh, and I would say that's the most important theme uh, that I've seen develop in the last, uh, in, in the last six months. Mm. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, and specifically with my sort of uh, emerging markets uh, bias, I would say, you also see uh, a lot of discussion about preparedness, about the healthcare systems in general, mm. and the fact that this virus has uh, taken a few countries or many countries by surprise, and that it, it's quite obvious from how uh, the situation has evolved in various countries and some countries were very well prepared mm. and others not at all. And that means uh, that has a number of implications in terms of how you manage your hospital systems, your strategic inventories of masks and gloves and mm. everything. Mm. So that has repercussions uh, in many of the countries we, in, we invest in, but also for all of the companies who are involved in, the, in, in this supply uh, chain, and yeah. I think the and and the last uh, big theme that, that I would mention also uh, is the localization of of production. And I was referring at the beginning uh, to the fact that uh, emerging markets sometimes you know need to to buy a lot of the uh, the important drugs uh, abroad and do not have uh, local production. Mm -hmm. uh, and that topic of uh, having drugs having to be transported all around the globe at a time where global trade is challenged by uh, the virus crisis mm. is also an issue and uh, is also of strategic importance uh, in a number of places. It's not very convenient to have uh, all of your masks done in you know only one place yes. and they have to be shipped around uh, when they are acutely needed. So the localization of production is also something that very much discussed and a lot of countries are thinking about uh, operating you know pharmaceutical for example uh, capacity locally and yeah. uh, not rely as much on on imports yeah and we sort of talked about or you, you've mentioned coronavirus and we're sort of both sat here in our own um you know I'm, I'm at home i don't know if you're at home or at the office but um we're very much still in the thick of it and um and obviously the what everybody's racing for at the moment is a vaccine to try and um, sort of prevent a, you know, a second spike or to, to um, mean that things can go more back to normal. Is there a way to, to focus our investment more on prevention and I guess in things like vaccines and things rather than cures and drugs? Um, so the prevention question is, is very interesting because um, I think a, a lot of, a lot of things we, we can't really avoid uh, the next pandemic, we just have to be very well prepared for it. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, a, a lot of the prevention efforts that, have been, that has been made in the last few months about uh, hygiene and public health measures, social distancing, um, is, um, are, are, are things that can always be talked about. Um, but of course, the, the, the need to talk about it now is, is more acute. So we can always do stuff in that area. As an investor, it's always going to be at the margin because I would say, um, I mean, we have a dual mandate, so I have to find companies that have a viable uh, business models to operate in that area. Mm. Uh, and and it's difficult to make money uh, out of prevention. Mm, um, okay. Although, although I, can, I can probably think of maybe one example. We've got that Indian company who's a, a leader in insect repellents um, oh, okay. and mosquito repellents. And so... They've got clearly a vested interest in uh, in talking a lot about the risk of malaria and yeah. you know explaining and doing a lot of prevention uh, sometimes 
uh, with the local health authorities about the, the, the risk of malaria and, and, and how it's important to protect yourself against malaria. And of course, they, they can then plug the product, uh, yeah. which is not without uh, ethical challenges, by the way, because then, of course, uh, you know, we, we have to monitor the type of advice that they give. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay to sell your product along the way, but it must not be the only reason why you're doing it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but other than that, I mean, that's a, that's a far-fetched one. I think if we think about coronavirus, uh, prevention is, is uh, it's, it's difficult to think of a company that could make mm. uh, money out of that. Uh, but it's very important uh, for the world, so it has to be done, uh, I guess, uh, by the public authorities. In terms of the vaccines business, um, I think it's very interesting. Uh, it's a it's a business that can be really good at times. You've you've got a, a couple of companies that have that can make uh, that have achieved good returns uh, in that area. Um, but it's not always very easy because. Um, the, the demand for it is uh, can be quite uh, unstable depending oh, okay. on what type of uh, uh, disease you, you are targeting. Uh, and I, I think it's already the case that the interest for that business has gone up tremendously mm. uh, over the last few weeks. We had one of the big uh, vaccine uh, up-and-coming startup that uh, seems to have a good candidate for the coronavirus uh, oh, okay. um, disease which uh, raised equity at the beginning of, of, of that week right. uh, in the US. So that's the type of things that uh, if you invest in a fund that can sort of provide capital for these type of companies, you, uh, you immediately have uh, potentially a, a positive impact on the world by helping finance uh, that vaccine effort. That I think will, will continue. We must not also forget that. Um, I read a piece about the fact that there were currently, I think it's about a hundred candidates uh, for a coronavirus candidate, uh, and we still um, still need, you know, a, 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 a better vaccine for adults for um, for TB for the tuberculosis, mm. which is a disease that we've known for a lot longer than the yeah. coronavirus. Um, so there could be a lot more investment in that area for a range of diseases because the need for vaccination, uh, I think, is, is more apparent now than it was three months ago. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of looping back to what we were talking about at the beginning about sort of investing in the emerging um, sort of economies and things like that. And, and you know, uh, in the midst of a global pandemic like this you can you can see why that's so important if if we've struggled in the developing world to to deal with this and we've got free access to fresh water for hand washing and all those really basic requirements in countries that that don't even have that simple infrastructure you can it really brings home the importance of, of um, investing in that and making sure that they do have those um really sort of basic infrastructures needed to to help um reduce the load isn't it yeah, and, and that's definitely true. Um, it's um, um, th there's a a large uh, proportion of the population who who doesn't have the opportunity to wash their hands mm. at home, for example. Yeah. This is a reality in uh, some low-income countries, and something that we have definitely to take into account. Mm. And at the same time. Uh, I think high-income country and that crisis in particular uh, might have put uh, high-income countries in an interesting situation if they were feeling a little bit complacent. 
because if we look at the range of uh, public policies and reactions to uh, the virus crisis in the world, we can see that uh, some countries, you know, with maybe uh, less of a budget for their uh, health uh, authorities have managed to get out of it uh, mm. quite well. And so um, if you contrast, for example, Eastern Europe versus Western Europe, the money is clearly, uh, you, you find more of it in the West, mm -hmm. but the Eastern European countries have uh, have had uh, better success at combating the, the crisis. You had um, countries like Georgia, which have done very well at at, uh, um, at stopping the virus. Mm. Uh, if you look in Asia, you also uh, had successful uh, situations. Country like like Vietnam, um, some some states in in India regionally, uh, Kerala has done very well. Um, so it's not always what you think. Mm. And I think some of the richer countries. Um, have maybe uh, been a little bit complacent or have suffered from the demographic mix of their population, um, I'm not quite sure. And I'm not sure yeah. many people know right now. Um, but it, it, it's a crisis that's interesting from that perspective because I think it will keep everybody on their guards. Yes. Uh, and, and not only uh, the lower American countries. Yeah. And from what I've read, it feels kind of almost inevitable that... that this maybe is the first of, of many global pandemics to come. Can um, investing in the healthcare sector help to prevent future pandemics? I think it helps the um, preparedness uh, accept, uh, mm -hmm. aspect. I think we, we, we need to have um, better preparation in terms of the uh, inventory of equipment and in terms of the health uh, systems mm -hmm. uh, it's it's difficult to deliver care in you know in an uh, in a vacuum like it, you need to have a network of, of hospitals and um, national authorities who, which take the right decision uh, talking about the the countries that have performed maybe better than expected I think a lot of countries that have done well are the countries which had a history of health crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, which have been ready to act. So all of the countries who re who remember um, uh, SARS, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or the avian flu, uh, or the HIV, uh, mm -hmm. because it's still a problem uh, for them, uh, have usually been more sensible in, in yeah. reaction to it. And so uh, I think from the other set of countries, the one which hadn't had this history of of crisis, you will see more and more investment in the future uh, to make sure uh, that, we're, that we're ready for the next one. Yeah. So if we're looking at investments and we're looking um, for maybe a bit of guidance from the UN Sustainable Development Goals, obviously they're, they're all important. And I guess how we rank them will be very much a sort of individual um, based on our own values and things. But would you say that, that healthcare has kind of risen up the ranks of importance because of the coronavirus crisis? Well, I, I think um, it was always extremely important. Mm. Um, and also, um, I think we're really trying to see it as, uh, as a group. Uh, it's difficult to isolate one thing and say, yeah. you know, we can achieve more by targeting sure. this. I think the, the point of the SDGs was to have that list of targets saying, if we can we uh, broad enough in our attention to development policies, 
this is, and we improve on all of those indicators, mm. and the odds are good that that we're going to do a good job. So I think it's part of that. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion, for example, not without merit, about the fact that, uh, that you know, we've we got to be careful about the way we manage the economy in a pandemic. Uh, it's good to um, save lives on the coronavirus front, but there are other fronts. Mm. Uh, and, and there are people not going to hospitals right now uh, because they don't feel that they should yes. go. There are surgeries being delayed, including critical ones for mm. people who have cancer. Um, so, um, so it's very. It's, it's. I think in the area of sustainability in general, it's it's always best uh, to keep all of the objectives in mm. mind. Because if you focus only on the uh, topic at stake during a yes. crisis, you can you, you can you can do more harm than good. And they're also interlinked, aren't they? Do you know, like education clearly has an impact on healthcare and, um, you know, the environment. We've, we've seen quite a drop, I think, in, in air pollution, which has resulted in um, sort of less illnesses and things associated with that. So it is all, as you say, it's all kind of interlinked and we need to, I guess, be taking that really much broader overview. So if I'm um, sort of looking to invest some money and, and looking... Um, to put some of it towards healthcare. Is there a, um, a sort of ratio I should be looking for? How much of my investments should or could go um, into healthcare? Um, I think it's difficult to uh, give you a precise number, mm. but if, if you're um, looking to invest along ethical lines, uh, it can be tempting to... Uh, go big, if you will, on a certain key sectors which mm -hmm. you feel better about. Uh, and we're having this conversation about healthcare, but it could also be true of renewable energy yeah. or anything that you find attractive from um, that perspective. But then the problem is that, of course, you get a lack of uh, diversification mm -hmm. in terms of sectors, and that can be a big determinant of returns. Like even if you have a wide range of companies, but they're all in the same sector. Okay. Uh, it, 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 you're, you're not as diversified as you think you are. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you you got to keep that in mind. So if you really take a sector approach to it and wants to sort of cherry pick the sectors that you'd like most, uh, I would advise to uh, find the highest possible number of sectors to make sure uh, that you got the proper uh, diversification and not too much in, in, in one of those sectors, yeah. even if it's across uh, different funds. Yeah. Uh, the alternative, of course, is, is, is to have a more diversified uh, fund manager uh, yeah. and to select a fund that will invest a, a, across a range of sectors. Okay. And so if I am looking to put a proportion of my money in healthcare-focused funds, how, how can I access them? How can I find them? And how can I point my money towards them, I guess? I think it, it really depends on your uh, investment platform, how mm -hmm. you normally access funds. Uh, if you've got a self-directed type of investment platform, uh, then on, on many of them, you've got a, a fund screener. Uh, that's, that's what I have personally uh, in my ISA, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or in a, in a self-invested pension plan. And uh, keeping that diversification element in 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 mind, you can mm -hmm. you can usually uh, select either by sector or you select a category called thematic fund, for example. And okay. In there, you will find uh, this and many other thematic yeah. or sector funds, and you can you can pick from there. Okay, brilliant, fab. Well, like this is fascinating, especially I think probably in the light of the the current situation we're in, and probably 
you know, although we said about that diversification and things, it probably has moved healthcare up people's at least awareness agendas. Um, and that whole piece about sort of the importance of investing in emerging markets as well, I think, is is probably something that um, we're all more aware of and things as well. So, um, really, really interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. 